0: Hello America and welcome to our very special Sunday edition. I hope you're at home having some breakfast, uh, maybe some eggs and bacon and a little newspaper reading and some casual time as... Summer begins to set in across this great country. We've got a fun lineup for you. All these are interviews we did on the Just the News, not noise television show. We turned them into a special podcast on Sundays for you. And we've got a great lineup indeed. Uh, Congressman Ralph Norman from the great state of South Carolina is going to lead us off today. He gave us uh, some really great insights into what Congress is doing and not doing why the economy is failing so much, and of course, a little bit about the disinformation board, which sunset this week, or got paused at least, due to the great American outcry against it. And then the Pennsylvania GOP gubernatorial candidate is with us. Senator Mastriano is going to be joining us. Doug Mastriano won big. He was a Trump-endorsed candidate. He tells us what the goal is for the fall, starting with how he unites a very fractured party. The primaries were pretty sharp edged how does he pull the party together and get this extraordinary team ready for the fall election? He also talks a little bit about the contrast between himself and the Democrats in policy and approach, a really insightful interview into the entire work that he's doing to try to win Pennsylvania's statehouse for the Republicans for the first time in a while. Down from the border, Pennell County, Arizona sheriff lamb is here he is going to give us an update on all things border related title 42 asylum claims the changes the extraordinary catch and release numbers from april nearly half of all of the 230,000 illegal aliens that crossed are actually been released into the country that's an all-time high for us then we've got art laffer the extraordinary reagan economic advisor he was also an advisor to donald trump He has some bad news for you. He is predicting we are headed into a recession. Joe Biden is going to create a stagflation recession, he tells us. And I want you to hear a little bit about what he says. But he also has a lot of optimism of how quickly the United States can come out of its downturn with the right economic policies. We think that's a very, very important message for you to hear. And finally, from the great state of Georgia, President Trump's endorsed candidate for governor, the man who's trying to take out incumbent Governor Brian Kemp, former Senator David Perdue joins us as well. What a great show. A lot of different places. A little bit of politics, a little bit of law enforcement, a little bit of economics. Going to cover the world on this great Sunday morning. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in just a few seconds. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower Welcome back, everybody. We're so lucky to have this next guest, uh, Congressman Ralph Norman, from one of my favorite states, the great state of South Carolina. Congressman, great to have you on. Uh, great to be with you, John. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we're, it's so exciting. We're looking forward to this conversation. I want to ask you about something, because Joe Biden looked in the camera and told people back in 2020, I'm going to make a bigger, more competent government. And what we've seen, particularly with the baby formula shortage, is a government that dropped the ball time and time again what have you learned about that? What can we learn from the mistakes the FDA and the Biden administration made over these last few months?
1: John, first of all, and, and Amanda, uh, first of all, this administration leads from behind. Uh, you know, at the, in the middle of 2021, the, there was no shortage of baby formula. In December, it was getting to be a 20, 25 percent shortage. Uh, I don't know why it, it, the government would not have addressed it, but he's clueless. To be honest with you, he he has no clue on uh, the fact that supply chain shortages and unable to uh, unload uh, ships, many of which are nine miles uh, from the shore, has an effect. Uh, He should have recognized that the WIC program was taking a lot of our baby food formula. And, uh, you know, children crying at night for food, uh, this happening in America, uh, I've never heard of it, and it's a direct result of. Uh, this administration, but it's just like so many other things that they're doing. They're out of touch with reality.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, when I hear when I hear something like what Joe Biden said about bigger government, bigger government inevitably leads to more bureaucracy, which leads to more red tape. And I was uh, hosting earlier for another one of our Rav co-hosts, and he was talking about the supply chain crisis and the red tape involved with this uh, baby formula crisis. And he was talking about how, you know, there, there's absolutely no excuse for just having one plant who supplies. He was talking about one particular Abbott plant that supplies like 35% of the entire country's supply. And he was talking about how we've got to have a plant on the East Coast and a plant on the West Coast and all in between, especially for these vital things like baby formula. Uh, Your thoughts on that bureaucracy and the red tape that's always standing in the way of things like this.
1: Well, and uh, Amanda, the government uh, that this administration promotes is just uh, is, is backlogging businesses at every level. Uh, look at the, sur- the surcharge, the tax, the, uh, tax rate uh, that's, uh, that's own formula for other countries. Uh, and 17.5% is unheard of. And we've got to be self-sufficient su- in America. We've got to make the products now uh, in this country and not have to rely on other countries. Uh, if we can put a man on the moon, we ought to be able to, to figure out how to unload a ship. And we ought to be able to be proactive with the regulations. And when Abbott shut down, uh, they ought to be a way to fast track, uh, getting them back open. And even if they're approved now, it's, it takes six, eight weeks, uh, to get the approval and get it up, up and running after the approvals are granted. So, uh, he doesn't have a clue for this. He's had, he's been in politics all of his life and it's foreign to him. In his mind, more government is better. And in America, it's just not the case. And particularly with, with uh, baby formula.
0: Yeah, no, when you see those pictures of the panicked parents looking at bare shelves, it just breaks your heart. It's really something. Sir, you have always been a voice for economic reason, open markets, free markets. Uh, The economy right now seems to be in a little bit of a free fall. The markets today had one of their worst days in a long time. Uh, What can Republicans do if they get in control uh, next year, which the polls are certainly suggesting is going to happen? What can Republicans do to restore some confidence and get this economy back on stable ground?
1: First of all, if, if you're broke, you can't do a lot of things, whether it's a family or business or a country. We're 30 trillion in debt. Uh, this administration has had no offsets on any spending. Uh, every spending bill we've had to, to try to balance and cut uh, so they could you know have programs that they fund. It's just uh, it doesn't exist in this administration. Uh, and that's one of the first things we've got to do. We've got to have priorities in place like every family and every business has. Military uh, ought to be a top priority with all the threats that we're facing. Just throwing money at a problem uh, is not the answer. And, uh, you know, what, what I faced uh, since this administration has come in is just one spending bill after another. Uh, you know, when rates tick up. Uh, It's going to put this country in a recession for an extended period of time, as most people are calling for now, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. I want to shift gears into some social issues. A lot of folks on the left are pushing trans rights, which in many arenas are diametrically opposed to women's rights, especially with respect to women's sports. And your governor just signed the Save Women's Sports Act into law. Do you see this as something that uh, is, is going to be happening in other states as more people realize that this woke agenda is frankly not healthy for women?
1: It's not healthy for women to matter, and you're gonna have women who are gonna be speaking up. You know, a man is a man, and a woman is a woman. And having a woman compete uh, or a man compete in women's sports is not fair to to those women who have trained all their life, and then to have a, uh, a prize taken from them or a finish. And uh, you know, Americans are just tired of this. Uh, you know, look at the issues that we face, and this uh, this administration keeps pushing. Uh, You know, the transgender rights, discrimination, uh, you know, the things when our look at what we're paying on on, for gas, look at what the empty shelves are doing. There's so many crises that we're facing. And then to bring this up uh, is unfair and it's unfair to the the American people. And but you're going to have a outcry. Look at the elections. Uh, I think the elections prove that. And I think you'll see that in the midterms. Uh, It's not uh, middle of the road candidates getting elected. It's candidates who are conservative and candidates who uh, uh, will value the taxpayer and the fact that the money is theirs, not, not the
0: government's. Yeah, that's right. So we got about a minute left. What are the most important messages that uh, Republicans need to deliver to seal the deal in November?
1: What we've got to do is not promise more than we can de- deliver. Uh, we've got to have a voice of conservatism, less taxes, less government, uh, balancing the budget. We had a meeting today at RSC, and we all spoke out and said, we got to balance the budget. Not in 20 years. American people aren't going to buy that. It's now, and now more than ever.
0: Yeah, that's such an important thing. And I know uh, uh, some senators, including uh, from Indiana, have been working on a balanced budget thing, shopping around in both chambers. That might be a big thing come up next year. It'll be very interesting interesting to see, sir.
1: It it Uh, is such a bronze got a good good budget and we will hopefully have one as well he sure does
0: well sir good to have you on sir and I look forward to having you back on soon a lot to talk about over the next six months my pleasure thank you thank you sir all right folks we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back <laughs> and protect
3: your most important asset, the equity, in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door.
2: Welcome back, everybody. As most of you know, if you tuned in last night, we had special election coverage of the primaries in multiple states, most notably in Pennsylvania. So as of last night, we can now say the Republican candidate for Pennsylvania governor, Doug Mastriano. Doug, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Thank you, Amanda, for having me on. I hope I'm it. I could just have a couple hours sleep, so.
2: <laughs> it was a big night for you. you. You ran away with it. Talk to us about last night.
4: Yeah, thank you. And thank you also, John, as well. You know, I was a bit surprised it was called so early. It was called just like a quarter after nine. And uh, I was a bit in denial. I'm like, this this takes a little bit longer. But thankfully, uh, we had a wide margin. Uh, the establishment tried to say that I wouldn't, would not have a mandate moving forward. We had uh, 44% or so of the vote uh, go for us. And that's pretty darn high, considering there was nine people on the ballot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And now I think the key is, I mean, people are very impressed by what you pulled off here. How do you get the rest of the party lined up so that the only enemy they're firing on from this point forward is the Democrats from this uh, from now until election day?
4: Yeah, so John and Amanda, I mean, that that's obviously a big question. We, we can't win it unless we all rally together. So I'm asking uh, all the Republicans. We fought a hard race. Uh, the people chose me. Thank thank God I'm thankful for that here. So let's uh, put aside our differences and let's get together because our uh, objective, obviously, is uh, winning the state in on uh, November 8th.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, Pennsylvanians strike me as very pragmatic people, and you are up against a Democrat who seems to have gone way over there, way, way out of left field. (laughs) And it just seems like there is this this stark difference between you, the Republican candidate, and he, the Democrat candidate. And for Pennsylvanians, I've got to think that a lot of those independents and people who are kind of in the middle libertarian maybe are going to swing your way because they look at the prospect of moving closer towards socialism and they think to themselves, yeah, no thanks
4: both in the case of the Senate race with John Fetterman and of course the gubernatorial with the uh, Mr. Shapiro, uh, they are far left, but they, they do have an advantage and their advantage is, is that the uh, traditional media is rooting for them. Uh, they're going to call me uh, far right and, you know, mock my faith and mock my lifestyle. And uh, I, 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 told them last night, I have no room for intolerance and bigot, uh, bigoted, uh, reporting. And, uh, any, any media outlet that pedals hate for people personal faith. So, um, you know, what can I say? We're standing for freedom. If, if people want a continuation of the uh, shutdown policies of uh, Tom Wolf, then Shapiro is their guy. But if they want to walk in freedom as the way that William Penn, our founder, wanted it, I'm their guy.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing because when they insult you, they're insulting 80, 90, 100 million people that share your values and say so in polls and in elections time and time again. I, I don't know where this media gets off. They've been doing it. Since 2016, when they were texting with the FBI about smelly Walmart people, it's just it's insane. It's just crazy what they've done. There is a a remarkable uh, connection between you and the economy in Pennsylvania. You know its strength, its natural resources. The other side wants to suppress energy. You are an energy state of extraordinary capability. Is that going to be one of the key issues in the fall?
4: Yeah, I have like three main issues, as, as Ronald Reagan would have it. And uh, one of the top issues, of course, uh, John, is, is energy. Uh, we're sitting on a literal gold mine. And I'm going to roll back eight years of Tom Wolf's, our current governor, his restrictions. I'm going to open up uh, state lands uh, to development for en- energy. And my goal is to take us from number three as, as far as energy producer nation to number one. That's going to bring money and prosperity to our state and also benefit our nation and our allies as well. And it should drive down prices. Our governor thought it was a great idea to to sign up Pennsylvania to the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. We call it REGI, which is a mini version of the Paris uh, Climate Accord, which means that Pennsylvania will be paying about a half a billion dollars this year Mm. in the CO2 uh, emission fees and about two billion dollars over the next two years in emission fees. And I'll take us out of that on day one with an executive order. And that will be about 30 percent savings on energy from the get go. You know, the bottom line is the, the Democrat Party is not the party of the people. They don't care about the people. We saw Tom Wolf shut down businesses across the state here, uh, mask up our kids, you know, push out our, our, uh, our medical people and our, our frontline health care uh, officials who uh, lost their jobs for a jab kind of thing. And the mastery, Animal is all about individual freedom.
2: Yeah. I love that. And I think that that's going to be one of the resounding issues across all 50 states going into November. But I wanted to ask you with respect to the Senate race, obviously, because of that very close margin, it triggered an automatic recount between McCormick and Oz. I think right now the margin's 10,000, or that was the latest I heard. Uh, whoever wins, are you going to support them?
4: We absolutely have to come together. You know, for my own race, it was a hard-fought run, and uh, you know, some of the candidates really hit me hard with uh, negative ads. But all the major candidates called me up yesterday and said, basically, uh, we're going to be get behind you, and that's exactly how we take our state back. We have a bigger issue here; it's about the freedom of uh, people in Pennsylvania, and I think the way Pennsylvania goes, so goes our nation. So I, I welcome back everyone that was, you know, had a different uh, candidate in the gubernatorial race. Uh, The people have spoken, they gave me a mandate with 44 or 45% of the vote. And it's time to come together and push back on these radical far left Democrats that are trying to take over our state and our nation.
0: Pretty amazing, one of the great opportunities you'll have. You'll be going up against the current attorney general who wants to be uh, a governor, and you have led on the issue of election integrity. And the media goes after you, constantly. say, oh my God, he's an election denier. He's not not (laughs) an election denier. You actually have a courts in Pennsylvania that said that the 2020 election was conducted Unconstitutionally under your constitution, you, we know that Zuckerberg money came in. How do you get the narrative down so no matter what the media says, real people find out the truth about what happened in Pennsylvania's election?
4: There's several levels, John. Of course, you know one level. Of course, if you're giving us a voice to put out, you know, our view of the world out there, unlike CNN and, and the Washington Post, who are waging war on people who who share, you know, Christian beliefs they don't like, so they mock us and ridicule us. Uh, people that peddle in, in uh, religious bigotry, like the Post, they're not welcome uh, my campaign. I have no place for a hate speech that they peddle in. Uh, on the other level here is I can go directly to people. I do uh, nightly lives as well. So I speak yeah. to people on social media and we're getting our word out. And, and that's how it's worked for the past two years, actually. You know, I, I started doing fireside chats during the shutdown to help people the heavy-handed policies of the Democrats uh, that were ruling our state over the past two years during the COVID shutdown, and it works. And I believe it's gonna work as well this on November 8th. Yeah, so important.
2: And yeah. you've been running a primary campaign, but now that the primaries are over, you've got to shift to more of a general election mentality. What does that, how, how does that look different compared to your primary campaigning?
4: Yeah, so traditionally, your primary campaign, well, you'll focus on what we call the middle T of, of the state, the conservative areas of Pennsylvania that also includes the southwest. Um, but actually, I mean, it's really not a well-guarded secret that I've already transitioned to a general election campaign. I, I uh, ended my day one of last week's bus stop in Pittsburgh, a Democrat stronghold. I ended day two in uh, Erie, PA, downtown Erie, which is traditionally a Democrat city, which I think I'm going to flip the, uh, to the Republican side permanently. And uh, I've also been endorsed by minority groups, such as uh, Latinos from Astriano have come out and we're working with some Asian groups and African-American groups. So that's actually how you you, uh, expand your base. And we're already in the midst of doing it.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And another thing that's going on, we had the GOP chairman for Pennsylvania on last night. He talked about the fourfold growth in Democrats who are now joining the Republican Party. you got the Big Ten open and people are walking through in big numbers. That seems to be tailored, made for your message, isn't it?
4: It really is. You know, the Democrats, uh, they want to label us far right. And that that, they really suffer, you know, in Pennsylvania from a psychological disorder of uh, what do they call that? Transference, where basically you're guilty of something, but you blame other people. So they're they're far left, but they're going to call their opponents far right. And they have support, you know, in their lapdogs in the media. But, uh, you know, John, facts are stubborn things. You know, I I don't run on bumper stickers. I'm a retired Army colonel. I I tell you exactly what's going on here. I don't play games or manipulate or spin things. Uh, when we had the petition drive, we have required were required two thousand signatures to get on the ballot. My my volunteers uh, acquired twenty nine thousand signatures, and uh, during that process, they converted thousands of Democrats, and Independents uh, to Republican to vote for me because we have a closed primary, and uh, we're seeing this played out statewide. Democrat Party has left the people behind. They have gone so yeah. far extreme and so overplayed their hand that so many traditional democrats you know raised as such by their families here are are now coming to our side here because they're sick and tired of being you know abused and having folks in harrisburg to tell them how to live their lives
2: yeah well we will be keeping an eye on your campaign and everybody head to his website doug four that's the number four gov.com and check out his campaign we appreciate you joining us
3: we'll be right back
5: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: Welcome back, everybody. We got to keep our eye on the southern border. Joe Biden is set to travel overseas starting tomorrow. And that's around the time 42 is going to start being rolled back. That's early next week. He'll be out of town when that happens. But we're not going to keep our eye off the border. And starting us off is a man who knows the border as well as anyone. He's there protecting it for us. He is the great sheriff from the Pinal County of Arizona, Mark Lamb. Sheriff Lamb, great to have you on the show today.
6: Thank you, John. Thank you, Amanda. I like the intro too. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Well, you're there. You are there defending. You're doing what the federal government should be doing. We're lucky to have you there. Um, Give us an update. We just saw some devastating numbers this week. 230,000 illegal crossings, and almost half of them were led into the country. The largest... Catch and release number in the history of America. How bad is it at the border?
6: Oh, it's terrible. I mean, every day we're getting them coming in. Gotta remember, this isn't about immigration anymore. I hope that Americans take this away. This isn't about immigration. This is about human trafficking and drug trafficking into America. Policies, non-existent policies, are driving people to the border so that the cartels can traffic more and more people and use it as cloud, as a smoke for bringing drugs like fentanyl into this country, which we all know has become the leading cause of death for Americans amongst the ages of uh, 18 to 45.
2: Yeah. And, you know, one of the big controversies at the border right now is the uh, baby formula that apparently has been shipped to the border. But it's not just baby formula as far as illegal immigrants getting treated better than American citizens in a lot of instances. I've been down at McAllen and El Paso. And when you fly from one of those airports, you oftentimes have a layover in Dallas. And I see some of these people getting on planes in brand new tennis shoes, brand new clothing. I mean, they get outfitted at the border. And that's just another one of the incentives beckoning people to to the United States.
6: Yeah, you don't think, Amanda, they're calling their house and wherever country they came from to say, hey, this is great. We got a phone. We got a plane ticket to wherever we wanted to go. These people treated us like gold. Here's the problem is Americans are seeing it. These are not America first people. They continue to put their boot on the American people while they open the doors and give everything to people. Uh, that are coming here illegally mind you remember they came here illegally um and the car they they came here uh probably under the the watchful eye of the cartels as well all the while American families are struggling to find baby formula we got Americans living in the streets we got veterans who serve this country uh living in the streets struggling we've got uh police officers who aren't being supported that are those are the issues we should be dealing with um, not opening doors for people that we just can't really accommodate right now.
0: Yeah, such an important uh, dynamic that uh, the media doesn't want to honestly report. I want to ask you something. You just, I want to follow up on a very important comment you made. The complicity of Joe Biden and his administration with the cartels. I was with a congressman on a very important committee today, and he said to me, John, it's only a matter of time before the cartels make Joe Biden an honorary member. He was joking, of course, but you on the ground, you see this every so often. I know you encounter cartel members. What is going on? Are they really, truly coordinating with the Biden administration to let this human trafficking go like clockwork?
6: Look, I don't know, I I don't like to say things that I don't have evidence of, but what I do know is their inaction or their poor policies or whatever it is, the cartels are taking advantage of it at the minimum. They are taking advantage of those, they are taking advantage of the fact that the border patrol is completely tied up with the thousands of people coming across every day virtually become bait sitters um and that leaves the deserts and everything else wide open for the trafficking, like i talked about in the beginning the drugs uh the humans remember people are being raped on a daily basis by the cartels the children are being used as pawns children who they steal from from other families or they steal at the threat of violence or purchase then they've got the men they're extorting the men and forcing the men to carry drugs the same drugs that are killing our loved ones every day here in America. We have to start pushing back. We need to tell our government to get in line. They are our servants. We are not their subjects. They need to start doing what is right for the American people.
2: Absolutely. And I, I think that there are border officials like yourself, obviously, but many others who who want to protect our border and protect Americans, but they're having to find These kind of backdoor ways of doing it. El Paso, Texas, their city council is set to vote next week uh, and then their mayor will have to approve it. But a state of emergency for the city of El Paso. And that's going to allow them to receive funds from their from the state and federal government to protect them. If Title 42 is lifted, is this something that you think other border cities should do so that they have that financial protection? And maybe pressure the federal government a little bit. Hey, guys, if you got to give us money anyway, why not use it to protect the border?
6: Should we have to do it? No. The federal government should be doing their job. Are we going to have to do it? Yeah. Uh, More and more cities along the border and and even counties like mine, we're a one-off county. We had to go through and approve $100,000 from our budget as emergency border money. Now we've got the state talking about doing hundreds of millions Well of millions of dollars at the minimum to try to deal with the The federal government thrust upon us so we shouldn't have to do it but we are having to do it kudos to uh, to places like el paso but frankly all of these cities and all of these counties should have been saying stuff a long time ago now their silence has allowed this problem to become the major disaster that it is now and now we're playing
0: Yeah, it is. And it's a tough game to play catch up on. There's no doubt about it, sir. Uh, I want to ask you about something. Obviously, a judge could intervene here. The Supreme Court and a judge could intervene and and block Title 42 from being formally lifted. But this last month, almost every custom and border patrol agent I've talked to tells me they already have so many exemptions to Title 42 that it really won't matter what the courts do. Are you seeing uh, granting of exemptions for people on Title 42 right now? Are they basically eviscerated even before it's been lifted?
6: Well, we hear from the Border Patrol that it is, but I'm not down there right on the border dealing with these folks as they come across. Well, I can't tell you firsthand whether that's happening or not. What I can tell you is they're not securing the border. And even now with their plan that Mayorkas put in front of the American people to make the American people think that they're actually doing something, it's not about securing the border. It's about accommodating as many people as they can. They wanna be able to process as many people as they can in a timely manner. To me, that's raising the white flag and giving up and not doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is protecting our borders. We have people that are coming from who knows where, and what countries, what kind of criminal histories they have. Um, you have to assume that not everybody is an angel that's coming across, nor do they have the best intentions of America. It's basically turned into an invasion that these folks are failing to protect the American people on. Just the poisonings from the fentanyl alone, over 100,000 Americans every year right now, the leading cause of death, that in and of itself should be an alarm to the American people, and it should force these politicians to secure our border, but they still don't. They still allow to yeah. whatever's going on to go on. That's why we have sheriffs are standing together Please come support us at protectamericanow.com. Not only are we dealing with this, we're starting to to look into how we can better secure our elections as well.
2: Sheriff, we've just got about 45 seconds left. I'm curious, um, I was reading earlier about Citizens for Renewing America. It's an organization in Arizona that's trying to get candidates leading up to primaries and midterms to really focus on border issues, especially in your state of Arizona. Is that something you're seeing evidence of as you see people canvassing the state of Arizona that that's their top issue?
6: Look, not only in Arizona, I go all across this country. I know we're almost out of time. People are hungry for America first Candidates, they're going to put America first, whether it relates to border security, baby formula, gas prices. They want people that are going to serve or understand that they serve the people and put America first.
0: Well, Sheriff, we know from uh, covering you, you do that and you created an example for a lot of our other public leaders. We're so grateful that you joined us again today for a very important update. Thanks a lot. Thank you, John. Thank And God bless you all. You as well, sir. Be safe out there. All right, folks. Wow, a lot to think about, don't you think? Well, we're going to give you a commercial break to mull everything over. And when we come back, we're going to have another interview just as enlightening. Stay tuned. Okay,
7: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
0: we got another big thing going on amanda the economy is in some deep trouble the stock market had some heavy heavy losses as investors are panicked about the pattern of spending that americans have people are pulling back because they can't afford this inflation we have the perfect guest that makes sense of all of this he is one of the most distinguished voices in all of economics a former advisor to ronald reagan and to donald trump and the 2019 winner of the Medal of Freedom. Joining us right now is the great economist, Arthur Lather. Art, great to have you on the show.
8: Thank you, John. Thank you, Amanda.
0: All right. The market went down uh, like I haven't seen in a long time. I'm point, point and a half uh, loss on the stock market, maybe 4% on the S&P. All over Target and Walmart's earnings. What are investors seeing in the economic signs here? Well,
8: well, I don't think it's just over Walmart and Target. Yeah. Walmart and Target may have been the catalyst but it's been coming down very sharply and this is a classic sign of a market forecasting a recession ahead and you know it's what you would expect given the policies of the Biden administration Uh, they've not been very good and with this inflation you see all sorts of illusory capital gains which have to pay taxes you see under depreciation of capital equipment because the replacement costs are much higher than that which means that reported profits are higher than they really are and You have to pay taxes on them and i could go on and on but this administration has done an awful job you look at what the fda did with regard to shutting the baby formula company down plant down and you can see all the the unintended consequences of that and i could go on and we're in a land war in 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 europe now uh we've got a border crisis I, i don't know how many of these you can sit and list but uh the market's finally really taking hold of this and saying things really look bad
2: yeah, there doesn't seem to be any indications of of any silver lining. You've got banking CEOs like that of Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs saying that they are bracing for a recession. I hear other economists saying that the inflationary prices that we are paying at the pump and the grocery store, that prices are never going to go back to normal. Is there any silver lining whatsoever, any end in sight, any light at the end of the tunnel at all?
8: There's a huge silver lining, Amanda. I mean, just huge. It's like blasting the sun The poll numbers for Biden are way, way down. The prospects for the elections in 2022 are way up. If you compare Biden's favorables, unfavorables with all the previous presidents back to Eisenhower, it looks like the Democrats are gonna lose a lot of seats in the House. Uh, The Republicans might even, on the off chance, pick up the Senate, I mean, that's even possible. And all of that would be very much for the better because that means that Biden in his last two years uh, wouldn't be able to do what's his crazy agenda. And maybe then we get a good president coming in in 2024, taking office in 2025 and getting a set of policies into place maybe as early as 2026. And that would be a wonderful news for the country. I think we're very much like 1978 today, early 1978. I think the elections coming in are gonna be like that as well. I think the following economics is gonna be like that as well. And I am very elated and excited about the prospects, but. It's going to take quite a bit of time before it materializes. But the cavalry is coming, as some of our friends say, and it's very exciting.
0: Yeah, these are important moments. And you were there at the beginning of the inheriting of the Carter economy, and you had to get that inflation down. The Fed seems to be a little reluctant to put the brakes pretty hard. What's the over-under? What's going on there, and what would you recommend to try to get inflation down quicker?
8: Well, unfortunately the fed is not a very competent fed board uh, and i don't mean that meanly at all they're very nice people they're good people but this is no paul Volcker. this is no alan greenspan this is no arthur burns this is no mcchesney martin this is a fed that has been selected based upon uh based upon characteristics other than competence and economics and that's not what you want running your country you want the most competent people and uh the fed is wrong that it's stopping inflation should not hurt the economy If we had no inflation whatsoever, the stock market would go through the ceiling. Uh, The Fed needs to get on top of this right away, do what Paul Volcker did, get those interest rates above the rate of inflation, and get this under control quickly. But they've been very slow, very slack in doing that, and the consequences are here. The unintended consequences are now the market is forecasting the downturns really coming.
2: Yeah, and as Sean said earlier in the show, you have advised multiple presidents on economic policy. Uh, when when Democrats took the House and the Senate and the White House, one thing I thought to myself was at least there's gonna be no ambiguity. Whatever happens, for better or worse, we will know that it was it was Democrats. But Joe Biden, just eight days ago, I think, tried to blame Republicans tried to blame the GOP for the economic woes of this country. And I just think to myself that I guess that ambiguity is is gone in his mind and his heart of hearts. But I just don't understand how he thinks that that sells with the American people.
8: I don't think he does. I think he's desperate. Uh, he, he has this uh, disinformation bureau that he's now dropped. He's got all these other he's, he He went into a land war in Europe hoping that it would boost his uh, poll numbers dramatically like it did with George Herbert Walker Bush, and like it did with George W. Bush. It didn't. Uh, all of that's just failing, and he's failing in every which way. And, you know, these guys are not principled people. They just will throw blame on anything that sticks. And fortunately, the American people are pretty are better than, than he is. And it, it's a serious problem. But um, I, th- I think things are going to change in the right direction fairly soon.
0: Yeah, I think the markets are hoping for that. I think everyday people are, you know, you work for two presidents who had the middle class and and in their focal point at all times. Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan really understood the middle class. This administration, which brought us middle class, Joe, we were told, seems to not appreciate the impact of inflation. I mean, used cars and trucks up 35 percent, homes up 40 percent, some markets gas up 48 percent, electricity 12 percent. It is actually a lot worse than the number 8.3 or 11 percent, whichever you use. Uh, Why the political disconnect with how bad this is harming everyday Americans?
8: Well, you you were kind to me, John, in that comment. Thea, I joined the White House staff first in 1970, October 1970, I've I've been going to the Oval Office now for a little over 50 years, 52 years to be exact, and working with lots of presidents, Democrats and Republicans, by the way. I was Jerry Brown's economist when he ran in the primary against Bill Clinton in 1992. So I've been doing this, and this is about as bad as I've seen it. This is Jimmy Carter esque, maybe even worse than Jimmy Carter, and I think the consequences will be very similar, just like they were in '78. And uh, you know, but these things repeat themselves. But don't ever trust any politician, John, Amanda. Please don't. Uh, they're there for their own survival, and uh, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, what I hope happens from now on is that the Republican Party opens its arms is like Reagan has an open tent policy of welcoming anyone into our uh, into our circle inner circle to get good economic policies and to get prosperity back to the US as quickly as possible. We're going to get a lot of the of of the Democrats are going to become Republican Democrats. I don't know what who the candidate is in 2024, but whoever it is, we will have a lot of Democrats working with us to make a great economy come back in 2025 26 and it will happen and it's going to be spectacular i mean spectacular. i just want to live long enough john amanda to be able to <laughs> see it and enjoy it and <laughs> celebrate you know at the big parties and dances and
2: breathe the yeah. horns Add to
8: that all the right
2: well you say 2025 and i'm just thinking oh my gosh if i even last that long and and don't have to oh, file me, for chapter 11 but let you me tell you some recently. are even worse yeah go ahead
8: some are even worse than that if you take it the stock market in February of 1966 uh, peaked at 1,000. That was the intraday high. Right. Uh, in August of 1982, August 13th, the market hit a low of 777. Over 16 and a half years, the market was down 22.3%. Uh, 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 20 Over 22%. If you count the trebling of the price level, Amanda, the stock market equivalent value in 19 in 1982 was 235 the market dropped over 16 and a half years by 76 and a half percent in real terms that's an average annual decline of seven percent per annum compounded so you know when you look at it things can be really really bad that's 16 and a half years living it day by day minute by minute which i happen to have done back then like everyone else who's 9312 years old Um, (laughs) but it it was it it was meant we're going to get out of this faster and it's going to be stronger when it happens. But, uh, you know, this is what happens in the world of economics and politics. And I, unfortunately, the the problems of Biden have been revealed to us and, and he's over.
0: Well, Dr. Laffer, you are a national treasure and you're always entertaining and you make economics fun. I don't know how we did that, but uh, that was our best discussion. We've had a long time on it. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll have you back on soon because we have got to ride this roller coaster oh, a little bit longer.
8: My pleasure, team.
0: Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, folks. We got a lot to cover today. We got some other great guests. We got to talk about Pennsylvania. A Chock Full Show coming up right after this commercial break. So don't go away. Well, you know, go get yourself a beer. But come right back after that. We got a whole new show ahead of us just right after this.
7: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: Welcome back, everybody. We are happy to bring in our next guest, former U.S. senator and current gubernatorial candidate in Georgia running against the incumbent governor, Brian Kemp, David Perdue. Thank you so much for joining us.
9: Hi, Amanda, John. Hope you guys are well.
2: Senator, we're glad you're here. And I wanted to ask you uh, about a story that John broke on just the news regarding Rivian. I was actually on the 405 this weekend. I sent John a picture. We actually passed a Rivian on the freeway and it was like <laughs> seeing Sasquatch in Los Angeles. And I told my husband, I was like, take a picture because you're not probably not going to see another one. But this deal, 1.5 Billion incentives in the form of Georgia taxpayer dollars. So much of this has been behind the scenes, but but I just, if I had that type of money to invest in a company, I think about you know Rivian's uh, resume. So they they couldn't even meet the most basic production requirements of 1200 vehicles. Ford pulled its investment of 8 million shares, which I believe was about a 12% uh, stake. Their stock has fallen 78% this year. And yet just last week, this $1.5 billion worth of incentives going to this company. Why?
9: Well, that's a great question. It looks to me like it was an election year play to get votes saying that they've got this great economic uh, development agenda. But, you know, George Soros has lost a billion and a half of his two billion dollar investment so far. in Ruby. it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. But what we've asked for all along since I got in here in December was, well, tell us about the deal. First of all, they crammed it down the throats of the people in the area without getting any buy in, talking about any uh, ways the governor was going to help with the infrastructure and schools and roads and sewer and water and all that. Then they wouldn't tell us how much they had invested. We know that they outbid Texas, but we had no idea of what the amount was until the day after our last debate. The governor finally told us that it was $1.5 billion. Guys, that's 200000 for every job. There's no way in the world. I'm just a business guy, but I know in my career this may be one of the worst deals I've ever seen. There's no way that the taxpayer, George, is going to get an economic return on investment off a billion and a half dollars for 7,000 jobs. And what we're finding out right now is that Ford Motor Company even said when they pulled down their stock position, they said this the business plan is not viable. And so this is an unproven company. It's what happens when amateurs try to play in the big leagues
0: in economic development. Yeah, and, you know, Georgia's got a great record of transparency. It has an open records law. We've tried to file open records because we are turned down at every corner, Senator. Why the secrecy? Why so much uh, keeping the public in the dark? If it wasn't for you, we might not have known this deal at all.
9: Well, no, we. I'm a business guy, so I saw it and I smelled it and I looked at it, and I, but, but then I thought it might be five or $600 million, and that was bad enough, but a billion and a half? This is not even close to being a reasonable deal. But this is what we're getting from this governor. He's doing anything he can to get reelected. He's been in office for 20 years in different elected positions. He was Secretary of State for nine years, never enforced election law. He's been governor for four years. He allowed the radical left to take over our elections in 2020, denied that it happened, has been covering up the evidence and now, in fact, is suppressing evidence. You've seen the 2000 mules data come out, the, the video, the cell phone corroboration, the witness testimony. I mean, this is all hard facts. We even have judges now who have said that the evidence is compelling. So we're all about truth. This is what Congressman Nunes was just talking about on the national scale. In Georgia, we're in here trying to fight to get at the truth to make sure we get this corrected going forward.
2: Well, good, good for you for fighting for that because I think a lot of people want to get to the bottom of it. It, it. it feels like actually, no, it's not even polishing silver on the Titanic. It's buying a whole, <laughs> a whole new purchase order for it. That's what Rivian feels like. But a week from tomorrow is a big day for you. We're heading into the Georgia primaries. How are you feeling in this home stretch?
9: Well, we're surging, but we've been surging since uh, November of 2020 when people realized that we had the, one of the more major frauds in American history in election. Uh, you know, performs here in Georgia. I, listen, I worked all in 2021 trying to get at the bottom of this. We saw this evidence of ballot trafficking and harvesting back in um, May of last year. So did the governor and he's done nothing to enforce the law since then. I'm feeling very good right now. We believe that of the 240,000 or so that have voted so far in early voting here in Georgia, about half of them didn't vote in 18. So we think that's a very encouraging sign. And it's consistent with what I've been hearing around the state for the last year and a half, frankly.
0: And Senator, there's clearly some momentum for you. There's no doubt about it. And it's a talk about uh, Governor Kemp falling below 50%. What are the issues, I know abortion has been a big one, Rivian's been a big one. What are the issues as you head into the final stretch that Georgia voters wanna hear about? What's motivating them to go out and vote the way they are?
9: Well, the governor is not enforcing law. We now know he didn't enforce voting law And we also know he's not really enforcing and helping these cities enforce enforcing the laws with regard to personal safety. Atlanta right now has the largest murder rate in the country, larger than Chicago. Murders and rapes are up 60 percent this year. We have more illegal immigrants in Georgia than Arizona, for example. And this governor said when we asked him about it, he said, well, I want to keep my powder dry. Uh, the people of Buckhead in the city of Atlanta want us to secede, create their own cityhood so they can protect themselves. He's denied that. He denied a bill in the in the Georgia General Assembly the last night of the general session that would have allowed this bill was going to pass, but they blocked it to allow the unsealing of ballots. And that would preclude the need to go to these civil courts to get relief about what happened in 2020. So personal safety, education, getting the woke mob out of our schools and, and stop indoctrinating our kids allow for personal safety, stop the illegal traffic coming into Georgia and get this election nonsense cleaned up. That's what the people in Georgia want right now.
2: Absolutely. And a lot of eyes are on Georgia to see if that happens. Okay, so a week from tomorrow is the primary. But a week from today, former vice president Mike Pence will be heading to Georgia uh, to rally for your opponent. It feels like that may be because, as John alluded to, he's dropped below 50 percent. Maybe he needs a, a last minute injection. Is that what it feels like to you?
9: Well, yeah, I mean, George Bush is here. I mean, you know, he's brought three different rhino governors in, uh, you know, so Ducey and uh, uh, Chris, uh, you know, is here. Uh, So I, I think what he's doing right now is circling the wagons of these never Trumpers, the people who never supported the America First agenda and who are in denial, really, about what people in America really want. And that is a conservative government like we had under Donald Trump that created the best economic period in our history, the best economic turnaround. And oh, by the way, told the rest of the world that with the America first policy would be in their best interest, and it was. The world was safer under Donald Trump, certainly, than it is now under Joe Biden, for sure.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, there's a lot of instability every day in the world. Uh, Senator, I want to ask you about the role that inflation, food prices, gas prices, everybody's wallet has taken a big bite and it seems to be accelerating. How are voters in Georgia handling that? And what's the difference between you and the government when it comes to pocketbook issues?
9: Well, the first thing is you got to get your economy going. And right now, the city of Atlanta's inflation rate is 25% higher than the rest of the country. Wow. That's un- unnecessary. Wow. Um, the governor's uh, idea, of that, he says, well, I want to get rid of the state income tax to get the economy uh, moving and, and make us more competitive. Tennessee and Texas don't have a state income tax. Florida doesn't have a state income tax. They're kicking our butt economically. Tennessee and Texas are growing 35% faster than we are. The first thing you can do right now as a governor, I think, is to allow more tax dollars to stay in the hands of these taxpayers to help get through this crisis that we have and and that is coming at us with regard to inflation. The next thing is to make sure that we get our jobs growing again here in Georgia, not with the artificial growth of an unproven Rivian company backed by George Soros, but with small business. Small business employs over 80% of the people in Georgia. That's where we need to be focusing
2: And the state of georgia with respect to your your own state's economy you guys have been very intrepid bringing the film industry to georgia which has been a huge boost for your state which i love Um, but i want to switch gears heading into this last week for you i know you've got a lot of campaign stops canvassing the whole state if people want to come to one of your events give us the lineup for this last week of scheduling
9: oh boy we're going to be all over the state we have been doing nothing but that look i'm running against an incumbent amanda as you've called out earlier He's going to outraise raise his money by his, he'll spend five or six times what we did. This is a, an outsider's race where it's a people versus politician race. Go to VotePurdue.com and find out where we're going to be. It'll be posted, but we are going to be all over the state on uh, every day between now and next Tuesday uh, on all the active uh, media markets to make sure that we get the vote out. If everybody votes, I think people are going to be shocked at the outcome here in Georgia.
2: Well, we look forward to having you back on after that, and we will be keeping our eyes on that primary happening next Tuesday, the 24th in Georgia. Senator David Perdue, we appreciate you joining us. We'll be right back.
5: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion,
0: All right, folks, that wraps up our Sunday edition. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back again next week with another great lineup. Uh, We're so lucky to take some of these interviews we get on TV, turn them into a great listening experience on the podcast on John Solomon Reports, and we appreciate you listening and diving in and and learning like we learned with these extraordinary newsmakers. Have a great Sunday. God bless you. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike.